Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm excited this week to be joined by Joe Berg. He's a district manager in the East Bay office of the Davy Tree Expert Company in San Ramon, California. I'm excited because we're talking about eco-friendly landscape practices. How you doing, Joe? Very well, Doug. Thanks for having me on. So when you're thinking uh, eco-friendly, what's the first thing that comes to mind when we're talking about our trees? Well, I mean, from the context of, of where and I, I have most of my knowledge is, is really just the West and in California in particular. And, um, you know, we've been experiencing some pretty extreme weather and, and a lot of drought in the last uh, 20 years or so. So um, we like to focus mostly on, on native trees uh, and also trees that are, uh, you know, have minimal water requirements, which, uh, you know, it will actually last better in a landscape that is so ever changing out here. So. Yeah, talk a little bit about what's been going on out there, because as I often say to arborists, not enough water is always, to me, worse than too much. I mean, too much is a problem, but gosh, drought situations uh, from a, a standpoint of the landscape is just, it's depressing. Yeah, I mean, it. it um, you know, everybody likes to have... Uh you know, green grass and green plants around. I mean, it definitely adds, you know, a lot of benefits to, to our lives. Um, and, and trees definitely do the same thing. Um, but, you know, with our kind of climate record, at least, you know, in the last, you know, couple of decades and, and really kind of just the long-term and that change is that we're getting less and less rain every year. And so uh, the trees that are actually already established on, on, on properties are, are, are suffering. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of need to switch our paradigm the way we're thinking about, uh, about planting these trees. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, trees shut down. I mean, they need water, they need sunlight, they need nutrients uh, in order to survive. And if they're not getting what they, they need, um, you know, just like you or I, uh, they, they, they don't do very well in their lifespan. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about smart watering then. Uh, if there is watering to be done, how do we do it in a way that uses the water in the in the best way possible? Sure. So, uh, you know, most landscapes, uh, at least out here in the West, are, uh, you know, fitted with, uh, you know, underground irrigation. Um, you know, a lot of places back east in the, in the Midwest and back east are a little different. But, uh, you know, we have various ways that we water our plants. Um, trees in particular like to have uh, very... Uh, slow release of water um, and directly into the soil. And so that would, would mean um, bubblers, uh, drip irrigation, um, you know, th that kind of gets the, the water directly in the soil. The, the, the big problem that we have with, the, you know, watering, which a lot of people kind of have on their landscapes, is a lot of people have spray irrigation. And uh, spray irrigation not only just, you know, throws the water into the air, uh, which you get some of that being evaporated, uh, and and a lot of that actually doesn't reach the tree roots. Um, it, it, you know, basically wastes water, um, and trees can actually develop you know diseases uh, by water being sprayed in the air, and and really the water's not getting exactly where, where it needs to go, which is you know basically in the top six to 12, 18 inches of, of soil, depending on the size of the tree. Well, it drives me nuts when I see that type of watering going on, and. Here in the east, sometimes these will be on timers. 
I'll be like going into the radio studio and it's raining like crazy and the sprinklers are on. <laughs> what, what a waste of water. And, and the same thing when they're spraying it around. Let's get it down to the to, to where it can be used. And as you said, spraying all that water up on the leaves, that could be fungal issues. When we that that's great to have uh, you know, uh, underground water or drip irrigation, that sort of thing. With that, are you also mulching is to, to keep the soil evenly moist? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's kind of another uh, good point about this too, is that uh, people don't realize the impact of a raindrop or the impact of a drop of water as it comes out of a sprinkler head is that even though those drops are many and, and uh, very small, they actually create soil compaction. Uh, and soil compaction basically damages the soil you know, almost permanently, uh, and, you know, can be totally avoided by changing these systems. So uh, one thing that we really like to see, which is actually probably the most cost effective and or most effective technique in terms of, of preserving your trees is, is doing proper mulching. Uh, and, you know, we were looking at forest type situations that have, you know, a foot or more, sometimes a couple of feet of, of leaf litter uh, that that all decompose gradually and provide a very good uh, soil environment for the trees roots. Uh, our urban landscapes don't really get that. They, they get most of that debris taken out. Um, and, you know, especially in California, which, you know, I'm originally from the Midwest, but Californians love to take away everything from their landscape and leave bare soil, which is, to me, it just blows my mind because it, it just damages the soil so so badly that you know it gets to situations where it makes it tough to to actually have trees or any kind of plants that survive. So mulching is is a huge huge deal, and it's it's relatively inexpensive in terms of, of what we do in in terms of tree business and tree work. So, talk to me a little bit about that education. If you've got kind of a cultural thing out there where they're not mulching, and you come in and say, hey you could save yourself a lot of trouble by throwing this mulch down there. Is it a hard sell or do people go for it? Sometimes, uh, you know, a lot of people out here have, have landscapers and things. And the, the common complaint is that the landscapers always blow off all the mulch whenever they're using blowers, um, which, which there's a, there's some truth to that. Um, you know, a lot of people tend to like the more aesthetic mulch, um, you know, really fine uh, particle size mulch. Uh, we also have a lot of redwood bark mulch out here, which uh, those are, are very poor choices in terms of tree health and in terms of, of soil health. Um, you know, if, if they mulch their, their gardens with a, a type of mulch that's got various particle sizes, large, small, medium, um, they tend to be heavier type mulches. They tend to last a lot longer. Uh, you know, they may not be as aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing as the other mulches, but they will last longer and they, they, they will help the trees more. But I, I, I go over this constantly with with, with uh, property owners. And, and, you know, it's kind of like a doctor telling you, you know, what to do for your health. I mean, I, I it's always a gray area and I hope that they do some things, but that's the one thing that I hope that they do do. Some people do, some people don't. It's it's uh, but but it's definitely something that uh, I, I'm always talking about with clients. So. Well, it sounds absolutely maddening to me because <laughs> everybody, you know, in our little world knows the benefits of mulch. But again, you, you come up against these these kind of cultural things in different areas. I want to bring up another thing about mulch. Do you have the same problem out there that we do here with volcano mulch be becoming a problem? 
you know, it's, it's, it's so funny. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis area, but, uh, you know, and, and, and learned of, of those things. And, you know, luckily we really don't have that problem out here. Um, I don't know why, um, whenever I go back and visit my parents, I, I, I see those things. I'm just going, goodness <laughs> gracious. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's amazing, but, uh, we, we generally have pretty good landscaping kind of design beds, uh, you know, that, you know, we, we can spread that mulch, you know, to a wider area. Um, we have a lot of, we don't really have as much land around these houses out here because, you know, there are a lot smaller lots, uh, than, than back in the Midwest. And so, um, but, uh, but yeah, our, our landscape, luckily we are, we are free of those for the most part. <laughs> so, um, at least good for us, but yeah, definitely still a challenge over, over in the East coast and Midwest. So. Yeah. Well, your battle is just to get people to use mulch. Yep. <laughs> My battle is to keep the mulch off the trees for gosh yeah, yeah yeah root crowns are very <laughs> very important to, to have on the surface and free of any any uh, debris or anything that's going to cause moisture so so let's talk a little bit about the use of fertilizers uh from an eco-friendly standpoint you know from a gardening standpoint i'm always telling people read the bag and and don't overdo it because the plant can only take so much we don't want that fertilizer running away, you know, uh, at a hard, during a hard rain. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, we, uh, you, again, I, I always like kind of comparing this to people because people tend to, to really, uh, you know, uh, get that, 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 uh, you know, connection, but, you know, if you take double of a drug that you're supposed to take, you know, that you're prescribed is not necessarily going to be that you know, effective and actually may be harmful. So, uh, you know, with fertilization, it's really, really important to follow the rules um, with that. Uh, fertilization is, is has a, a lot of salt typically um, in it, uh, especially granular fertilizer. Um, you know, going overboard on that can actually cause burn to, to plants and, and cause drought-like situations to happen to plants, even if they're getting plenty of water. So, so following all those instructions is important. Um, you know, urban lots generally are... Uh, you know, deficient of nitrogen and a lot of these these good uh, you know nutrients that we we tend to see in forests. And so, you know, uh, doing supplemental forest, uh, fertilization is definitely important. Um, having fertilization and fertilizers that are are generally more slow release. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I know Davy Tree got a great fertilizer that we we use, um, but slow release fertilizers are, are really good because they actually slowly kind of give the plant what they need. Um, once the soil has so much nitrogen, what will happen is actually the nitrogen will just leach through the ground and, and the plants won't even be, be able to, to get it because it'll just pass right through the root system. So, so right amount and, 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 and slow release are two, two very important things. And I think fertilization is, is one of the things that homeowners don't think a lot about when it comes to their trees, but it is an important part of your standard tree care, right? Yes. And, and, you know, you think about a natural forest, they've got plenty of fertilizer and, and a lot of my clients that have kind of natural type situations. And when we're seeing a lot of leaf litter composition, you know, I, I really don't recommend uh, fertilizing in those areas because we've got a good natural process going. Um, but especially challenging out here is we've got such a long growing season in California. Uh, a lot of trees are looking good. They're green. And so the homeowner goes, well, why would I need to fertilize or want to fertilize it? Because it's going to cause my trees to grow faster. And I don't want that to happen. Um, most people that kind of uh, call us that have tree problems, their trees are already in a state that are so far in decline or past the point that we can't help them, whether it's with the fungicide or with fertilization. So 
the best method is really just to be proactive and, and, and being on a regular schedule with having your trees inspected by an arborist, you know, and having, you know, any kind of treatments done before they get to a certain, you know, state where it's, it's really hard, if not impossible for us to, to help or save them. So, Well, before we get into dealing with insects and stuff like that, I want to talk a little bit about your background. First off, you must really miss the snow from St. Louis living out in dreary California, right? Yeah, I love the snow. It, it's great. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely living it is a challenge. And it, uh, especially St. Louis, it's freezing rain. And that's even worse than, than snow. So I'm, I'm very happy out here. So talk to me a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I went to University of Missouri and, and uh, you know, majored in forestry. I uh, was really, really into uh, more or less uh, doing, you know, stand research and, and really you know, wanted to kind of live in a mountain type uh, setting with, with taking care of, of, of stands of trees for the Forest Service. And so, you know, did that for, for you know, several years doing seasonal work and, and, and found myself out in the Sierras and, 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 and traveled around those mountains a lot and kind of fell in love with them. And so, um you know, after doing several seasons of that and kind of just tired of living out of my truck and moving from place to place, I looked, uh, was looking for a more of a permanent situation. And even though I took some, uh, some urban forestry classes in college, I really didn't know the, the opportunity that was out there with urban forestry. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I got hooked up with Davey and, you know, applied for a job and they flew me out to California and said, Hey, listen, this is what you can do. And, I've been with Davey ever since. So, I mean, it, unlike a lot of people that have changed careers and changed jobs, I've been working for Davey for about 15 years. It, it really, most of my professional career of, of doing tree care. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's how you find yourself out here. <laughs> I found myself out here. So, You know, before we got going, you told me an interesting story. Now, we've talked a lot about native trees and how important they are. But you had a client that brought uh, trees from all over the country back to California, right? Yeah, I mean, we took care of uh, take care of a, of a really nice uh, property um, in our area that uh, you know former NFL coach broadcaster and uh, he uh, he as he traveled the country you know he was just really interested in kind of the native trees from wherever he traveled to so where, wherever he went he brought back a tree from there and so uh, his landscape was absolutely amazing and and just in it had all these just different trees that. You know, a lot of them pretty unique. I mean, we, we do have a lot of trees from the East Coast and Midwest that are are are, uh, are here and that are planted commonly. But uh, um, amazingly enough, I mean, just with our environment, I mean, despite of the drought and despite all the challenges that we have there, I mean, a lot of them have done actually fairly well. <laughs> that that's funny. I mean, how did that happen? Is that just because we've got uh, our Davy tree experts making sure there's water on them and they're trimmed right, or what? <laughs> You know, I, I, I would I would love to say that, and, and I'm sure that's definitely part of that. You know, for sure. So I, I think you know, very important to to to, to do your your due diligence at, at treating the trees right, and, and we definitely know how to do that fairly well. Um, yeah, a lot of it, you know, our, our climate's very conducive to a, a variety of trees for sure. Um, but uh, but having Davy tree out there does not hurt. That's for sure. One more quick question about those trees. In your mind, what was the one of the most interesting ones that came back that actually actually did well? He actually had, and again, some of the trees were, you know, I, I didn't interact with them much, but I mean, the 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 some of the trees he brought back were actually even from overseas. But you know, he had some some weird, you know, pines from China that were just you know kind of out out of this world or at least out of this continent for sure. That uh, 
um, that I don't even know the name of them. But, uh, you know, you, you always have to be, you know, I knew most of the common ones and, and some of the some of the rare ones I did have some knowledge on. But but gosh, I mean, you'd have to have some some botanical knowledge of of uh, of some of these trees and where we got them from. So but it was it, the way they did they did his landscape. I mean, it was it was pretty unique and, and he kind of had them you know, placed in a way that kind of really highlighted each one, you know, and unfortunately, unlike a botanical garden, he did not have them actually named. <laughs> so. Oh, that's really cool. Interesting stuff. So let's continue on talking a little bit about eco-friendly landscapes. We're dealing with pests and diseases. Uh, talk a little bit about that, about being careful about what's applied and how it's applied and just, you know, using the, the right product for the right problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, regardless of where you're at, West Coast, uh, Midwest, East Coast, I mean, you know, we all have our, our issues with, uh, you know, fungal diseases, bacterial diseases, insects. I mean, we all have our problems. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of effective treatments out there. I mean, arboriculture has gotten a long, a long way uh, in terms of, of learning how to do these things and learning how to get better at, at doing these treatments. And so, um, you know, a, a big thing for California, especially is, you know, when people hear the, the term pesticide or they hear the term fungicide, they, they, they really kind of get a little hesitant. And so uh, doing doing those treatments are important for the health of trees. I mean, we, we all we all have to realize that all the trees is pretty much in our urban landscape. It's pretty much a fake landscape. I mean, there, there definitely there are there are. Uh, native trees that are there that are hundreds of years old that are here or there, but but most trees that we take care of are, you know, planted. You know, a lot of them are not from the area, um, and we have to do a lot of different things management-wise to keep those trees healthy. And so, you know, uh, applying pesticides and fungicides is something that could benefit the trees, uh, and we can do it in a way that is, you know, minimal if, if not no, if, you know, poor effect to the environment. Um, there's there's been a lot of of uh, advancements in, in tree injections. And so we, we tend to like doing a lot of tree injections uh, for, for diseases rather than spraying, um, because that, you know, again, is a lot more effective. It gets into the trees systematically um, and then also minimizes any impact to the environment with any kind of overspray or, or, or uh, you know, in, indirect, uh, you know, issues. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, th there's a lot we can do. There's a lot we don't know, but there is a lot we can do. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the industry is moving very, very well in terms of, of being able to uh, to treat a lot of diseases that we didn't have uh, answers for, you know, years back. So when you're dealing with these long periods of drought and you, you know, you obviously still have to plant trees, tell me a little bit about the native trees out there that in general, you're adding to the landscape. Now we always know right tree, right, right place, but tell me a couple of varieties that you guys are planting that I might not know about out here in the East. Uh, so, you know, a lot of drought tolerant trees, I mean, I like, I mean, you guys have plenty of oak trees out there, but, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, you look at, uh, the brown hills in the summertime that are above your, your houses and you see grass and you see oak trees, you know, and so in my area and specifically, you know, we're kind of an oak savanna, um, to the, to the east and to the west, we've, we've got kind of a combination of redwood, um, and, and, and oaky, uh, bay tree type, uh, natural forest. And so, Love planting uh, valley oaks. Valley oak is a type of white oak, uh, you know, very drought tolerant. Um, live, coast live oak, which is, you know, very similar to the the southern live oaks that you see on the East Coast. Uh, those are those are great native native trees. Uh, we do a lot of, of, of crepe myrtle, uh, you know, planting. Those are those are definitely drought tolerant kind of ornamental trees. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's um, 
it's really, you know, it's funny to say that too, but I, I've, I've talked to some really well-respected arborists and, and they're telling me that after, you know, with all these droughts, I mean, it, we probably will not have pine trees here in the Bay area uh, in, in the next 20 or 30 years. Mm. And that's, that's how that changes because all the pine trees are getting attacked by bark beetles. So um, just, it, we're, we're getting a very, we're getting a, just a, a shift of, in terms of, of tree species and it's, and it's, we're not going to be able, I'm not, I'm not even treating any pine trees anymore for bark beetles, really, because it's almost like it's just almost a waste of money at this point. And is it because the trees are so weakened from all this drought? Is that exactly. one of the reasons or is that, are there other uh, factors too? Lack of water. I mean, it, it's, you know, pine trees need water to create pitch, sap. Sap is used uh, as a protection method when, when beetles are boring into the tree. And, you know, we all seen, you know, at least most of us seen Jurassic Park with the little mosquito in the amber. It's like that. That's really the idea of what pine trees do to protect themselves. And um, if they if they're in drought stress, they cannot produce enough uh, pitch and it cannot produce enough sap to protect themselves. The beetles just have a heyday and just bore through everything and all the vascular tissue that's there. And and and, and then they're they're a goner because they can't get water to the top of the trees. Joe, that's heartbreaking. And tell me from a, a tree person's standpoint, that just sounds so depressing to think of that in the future of like, you know, your pine trees, they're part of, they're part of people's lives and landscapes. Well, this, this is interesting because this is kind of a, a lesson that should be learned, I guess. And, and I guess this would be good for people that are thinking about planting trees going forward is, uh, you know, the predominant species of pine tree that we have is called Monterey pine. Um, there, these pines are actually one of the rarest pines in the world they grow in a very small area near Monterey on the California coast. Uh, although, you know, countries like New Zealand, they grow these things like weeds and they use them for, for lumber. You know, they're, they're really good lumber in other countries. Um, but, you know, the Bay Area and, and California in general decided to plant a bunch of these trees, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. I mean, the Boy Scouts used to hand them out, plant a tree, be green. Um, you know, even they those trees were never adapted to the climate environment that we have out here in the East Bay and in a lot of parts of California. Uh, they need a lot of uh, a lot of fog. And they need a lot of moisture. And when you don't have that, that cycle of the bark beetles get, it happens. And so we've kind of made the mistake to plant these trees. Um, you know, although redwoods are, are definitely stressed out right now, too, um, they don't have bark beetle issues. And if 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 I had clients that 40, 50 years ago that planted redwoods instead of Monterey pines, we would be treating those redwoods and watering those redwoods, if, you know, and they would be sticking around rather than dying like these pine trees would be. So it's it's really a choice of the proper species. And we're just reaping the, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the the cost of removing all of them uh, and losing the urban canopy with 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 what we did back then. So. All right. We, we need to end on some kind of bright note here. You <laughs> You're bringing me down, Joe. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? As a tree guy, those pine trees, I, I'm, I'm glad to see them gone because we can get some better trees in there to actually, uh, you know, improve the urban forest. So I, I, they're, they're, I'm, uh, it's actually a good thing in disguise, I would say. <laughs> Is there anything that, that you've found during this long period of, of drought that is just as tough as nails and is thriving under these conditions? Well... Um, you know, oak trees, even though they're drought, I mean, they're getting stressed out too. I mean, it, it's, it's really, I mean, I, I, it's really, you know, a grim picture in terms of what we're looking at our natural canopy, natural forests, our uh, urban forests. But the, the, the really good thing is, is that 
there are a lot of smart people that are doing a lot of good work and finding species that actually work. And, you know, if uh, the, the International Society of Arboriculture, uh, the Western chapter, they, they've written several, several articles in the last couple of years in terms of, of elm species, in terms of, uh, of maple species, all these different species that are kind of subspecies of, of trees that we normally plant. And they've done studies that these trees do much better under drought conditions and under less, you know, less water conditions that, you know, we are making that change. And so I, I think, um, you know, it take, it's going to take some time. We're going to see some shock of terms of, of loss, but we do have smart people that are, are, are giving us the tools and giving us the, the options to plant trees and have trees here that are going to be much better to, to deal with the, the challenging climate. All right, Joe, you turned it around a little bit there. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little bit more hopeful for you guys out there in the West. Yes, I, I want to thank you very much for your time uh, talking about uh, eco-friendly landscape. Uh, I really learned a lot. It, it was uh, great stuff, and uh, gosh, I I hope that uh, you get a couple summers here with some decent rain. No doubt, no doubt, Doug. Well, much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks so much. Next week, in celebration of International Women's Day, we'll talk to a team of women climbers from the Denver area and find out how they found their way into arboriculture. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. We are having fun. And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>